This is the European edition of Breaking Banks, the world's number one fintech podcast and radio show. We bring you the European unicorns, startups, founders, regulators and leaders innovating the rapidly evolving fintech scene today. A truly localized podcast with both English and local language content with some of the world's most well-known hosts and influencers in the fintech sector globally. Join us every week as we explore what makes the European Union a phenomenal proving ground for many of the fastest growing fintech plays in the world today. Okay, let's roll. Hey guys, welcome back to Breaking Banks Europe. My name is Matteo Rizzi. I'm the executive producer of the show. And today is show 161. Today we talk about uh, impact as an economic driver, this is part of our Breaking Carbon series. And incredibly, we are here, like all Portuguese speaking, four Portuguese nationalities, like plus me. But none of, only one of them, one of the guests is actually in Portugal, I think. So let's get to know them. Let's start by the far remote, very good friend, Katia. Katia Davim. Uh, I'll let her introduce um, herself, but she is connecting from Australia. Is the champion in night. Katia, very warm welcome to Breaking Banks Europe. Thank you, Matteo. Uh, good, good evening, everybody. Good morning, wherever you are. Uh, I'm dialing in from uh, the beautiful land of uh, Sydney, where it's summertime, uh, where I actually had a chance to have a swim this morning and make Matteo very jealous. Um, my name is Katia. I uh, am the founder of the Social Good Summit Australia, uh, which which uh, I have the chance probably to talk a little bit more about the project. But um, in a nutshell, is a, a conference that brings together um, you know a mind like people to tell stories about social impact and how how can we all collectively make the world a better place. I'm also a partner at KPMG here in Australia, uh, and I lecture uh, at UNSW, which is a, uh, one of the main universities here in Australia around the topic of creating shared value, which is how can a business be a force for good? So a variety of um, uh, kind of a career portfolio uh, very much linked to the social impact space. Great. It's incredible because this is actually... The first, uh, like a professional talk uh, I'm having with uh, Katia, although I know her for like uh, over 10 years and I'm a friend of the family for, you know, probably 30 years. But you will see that this is not at all a recommended uh, sort of, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> guest uh, input. Uh, it's, uh, you know, you, you really have your, your, your place here, as, as you will see. Rita, Rita, also a newcomer to Breaking Banks Europe. Welcome. Hi, Matteo. Uh, hi, everyone. I'm Rita. I'm in Lisbon. Uh, and um, I'm a partner at Maze. Uh, Maze is an impact investing company. We basically developed tools that allow entrepreneurs or entities to uh, create and implement uh, creative solutions and innovative approaches to tackle the biggest social and environmental challenges of our times. So we work with the public sector, corporates, entrepreneurs, investors, and we basically uh, work amongst uh, these different stakeholders in this maze, that, hence why the, the name of our company. Um, and, um, and, and basically, that, that's what we do at the European level, mainly. Uh, so we run a, a VC fund. We have some acceleration programs. Um, we developed more consultancy-based or uh, innovation-based uh, kind of work with uh, corporates and uh, work with the public sector on outcomes-based uh, projects. Um, and my personal background has been on impact for more than 10 years. Before Maze, I was working in consultancy with nonprofits, and Maze has been the main uh, chunk of my professional career. Um, very. Uh, proud to say that and also very fortunate uh, for it. Thank you. Thank you, Rita. And uh, and now Nuno, Nuno and I met a couple of weeks ago uh, during the Visa Innovation Program in uh, Madrid where uh, he presented Go, Go Parity. And, uh, you know, I, I was actually, you know, very impressed by his story and his personal motivation. So Nuno, welcome to Breaking Max Europe. 
Thanks a lot, Matteo, and hi, everyone. Um, by now, I'm expecting Matteo to also be already an investor in GoVerity. <laughs> I'll try it. I, I swear I swear I tried, but I think my profile has been validated yesterday, so I will soon be. Ah, it's you know, it's uh, probably because of people with public exposure, you we had to go through a, <laughs> a more okay. I'm one of the co founders of, of GoParity. Um, I'm an environmental engineer by training. Before becoming an entrepreneur, I worked in the European Parliament in a large utility company, then started my entrepreneurial journey, created a solar power company, created a, re a renewable energy cooperative, and GoBerity is actually my third company, um, which has started, uh, was, it was created in 2017, started in 2018, and in a nutshell, what we do is allow people and companies to lend money to sustainable um, projects a bit all over the world. So by now we have funded, well, I'm sure we're going to talk about that later on, but we have funded more than 200 projects that contribute to the sustainable development goals. Rita has known us for several years now, almost since we started, because we were on the second batch of MAZE, of the MAZE acceleration, acceleration program, even before it was called MAZE. And I had not had the pleasure to meet Katya yet. That's great. That's great. Okay, guys, let's start with uh, um, a, a more of a rather personal question or a personal story question, uh, which is the following. You know, the, when when we talk about uh, impact entrepreneurs or impact initiative, you know, each one has uh, his or her own uh, like motivation or like a personal story or personal angle of what impact actually means. I can actually start uh, uh, because you know many of you might know if uh, if you have a look at my LinkedIn profile that we founded something called TimePledge.org, and TimePledge is a platform that coaches African entrepreneurs uh, for free. Uh, it's a not-for-profit. Uh, there is no like uh, economic component of it, and it's simply a give-back uh, platform for speakers that go. Uh, and, and speak at different conferences to spend time with the local entrepreneurs helped by Time Pledge that organizes the logistics and uh, help them, uh, you know, understand what does it mean to be an entrepreneur, how to pitch your startups, uh, you know, basic financial model and, and, and so on. I like to think that this is an impact initiative because the impact that you uh, that actually you you produce or you create, you know, to to change or to help or to nurture or to inspire life of local entrepreneurs is, uh, uh, you know, sometimes is really fundamentally changing uh, the way they even like uh, see see their lives, right? Uh, but and this is one angle. There are so many, and I would like each one of you to to understand uh, for each and every one of you. To understand yours, Kata, you want to start, please? Sure. Um, so, so my my angle was, uh, I mean, I, 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 as I look at my personal journey and, you know, going back, you know, a good ten years, uh, probably going through a kind of a sort of middle life crisis, uh, where the the question always popped in. We say, what are you doing for the world uh, to make the world a better place? And I, I believe that we all we we are we are all somehow when we are teenagers rebels and trying to make the world a better place and then life gets along uh you know we have uh, families and, and and affairs and children and all that stuff and, the, and that question dissipates a bit uh but the reality is in myself never never went away I always was always present and um so the way I found that could create an impact in the world was uh, very much, you know, back in 2015 or 14, even when the world was in this turmoil. So these discussions around, uh, you know, the participation of business in society and, uh, you know, the world, the contribution that we as individuals have in the world, they were they were very foreign uh, in a way. But something was happening around the world. Um, the United Nations was launching the Sustainable Development Goals uh, and this kind of revamped uh, uh, energy uh, that that actually uh, um, you know that's 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 post the millennial development goals which was uh, some, somehow known in the world but not to the extent that today the SDGs are known in the world um, 
And I, I, my, my, in my domain, I thought there is a great opportunity to actually empower um, or, or use some sort of energy to make those SDGs quite known. And I think that is really important. Not known just in the forums of United Nations or kind of the power, the power plays, but actually known to across the world and across all fabric of society. And that's kind of the way um, the Social Good Summit emerged, uh, you know, with the intent of truly uh, bring stories together and, and this truly through storytelling. Sometimes I, I look at myself, do I really make an impact or what I just do is to convene those stories and through, uh, you know, aggregating all those stories that, that uh, uh, you know, unites, you know, about a thousand people at, le- at least every year uh, to this, to hear from people that are doing great, great stuff and, and uh, great things for the world. So this way we can not only make those SDG famous, break the barriers and the cycles between, uh, you know, the corporate world and the academia world and the governments and non-for-profits, because they tend to operate very much in silo. So the intent was to create a forum where all those um, fabrics of life will come together to to, to debate. Uh, and it, back in 2015, this was very, uh, you know, rare to happen because um, you had the, your corporate, you know, forums, you had the non-for-profit forums, and they never used to come together. Uh, and then finally, the kind of the main goal was to inspire uh, and inspire everybody, moms, dads, uh, you know, students, community organizers, you name it, and really demonstrate that every single human being in the world, all, all the seven, eight billion that we are, we have the obligation somehow to make the world a better place, no matter where we are. And and, and our personal decisions and choices and business and whatever we do with our lives, they can have a lens around social impact. So that was the intent of creating, uh, you know, the Social Good Summit. And that's kind of my angle. Um, Not necessarily being an advocate of anything is is somehow giving the power and the fuel of those stories to emerge uh, and and through that inspire people to take action. Um, So it's so... I, I just always love to hear these stories, like what motivates people and where people come from. So, Katia, it's very great to, to hear your, your story. Um, on my end, I've, so on my personal side of things, like I've always, since a very young age, since I was a child, I was in contact with uh, voluntary work, uh, with a lot of different realities uh, than mine, right? So, I was exposed to the inequalities of life and to, you know, uh, uh, and, and to the big question of like, why are not everyone having access to the same rights and to the same kinds of services that in, in my case I, I was having? So uh, that always really created a sense of privilege in a way. And with that privilege, the sense of responsibility and the duty to really give back, given that uh, I was having the access to education, to health, uh, to a democracy. Um, so that was that basically grew with me. That's why I was always having a very active role um, on a social level. When I went to university, I was studying business, and on my whole, it is in my free time. I kept doing voluntary work. I used to be started being a consultant, applying it to a context of developing worlds. So more again non-profit kind of work until a point where I realized, wait a second, I can merge these two things. So all the concepts that I'm learning in business school and the reality that I'm facing here, and perhaps I don't have to just have these two um, like separate lives uh, and separate efforts and approaches. I can just join them, have a common uh, mission in terms of what I'm doing. So apply the concepts and the kind of work that I, I, I like doing, which is business-related analytical kind of work, and at the same time, really strive to cr- create a positive impact in the context that I was um, working on. So it was quite progressive in that sense. Eventually, I learned the concept of social enterprises, which were companies that were tackling social and environmental problems as their main purpose of existence. For me, that was like, wow, when I learned about it back in 2011, I think. Um, And with that came the concept of impact investing. The fact that you can invest with an impact uh, focus. So your mission with your investment is really to try to change a reality for the positive, having uh, 
you know, this um, the solution of different social problems, the environmental concerns, and you can still profit with it because there are a lot of different business models that you can apply. So all of that for me was something that uh, progressively became so such exciting opportunities that it was eventually a very obvious uh, choice of a career path. And then Maze showed up in my life at a very uh, special moment, which was when I was finalizing my master's degree. And I immediately joined Maze at the time, as Nun was saying, we were called the Social Investment Lab. So there were two people uh, in the team. It was really small. We're still very much of an experimental project trying to create the market in 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 Portugal and um yeah and eventually we just continued uh creating the, and testing developing uh these new type of approaches that could bring market efficiency to this world which before used to be called the third sector in a way that had so many inefficiencies and all of a sudden just became a whole new market and today it's not yet super mainstream, but it's getting there with the social, uh, the sustainable development goals, with even the concept of ESG, which is a different thing than impact investing. But it's, um, yeah, so basically this is my story, where I came from and what led me to, to Maze and to this uh, context. No, no, I'm expecting you now to tell uh, to tell the story that I loved about uh, you know how a simple project basically led you to your to uh, to, to to this idea. Please go ahead. Um, yeah, so uh, I mean, I, I I wish I could say that like Rita was very sensible to social issues since I was very small, but to be honest, and I think we need to be honest, I wasn't. Um, so I was quite distant from 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 all of this. I think. Maybe until I was in university. So obviously, I studied environmental engineering due to environmental concerns, but not from the never that much from the social social pers social perspective. Um, I think what actually created in me this inner will to do something about what is wrong with the world was the experience with the European Parliament. And um, I used to say that in the European Parliament. You are, it's like, it's like the best open university ever because you work there and you have access to all kinds of information, all kinds of specialists, all kinds of conferences, panels, position papers, NGOs, business associations. And all of a sudden, a lot of problems are just, you know, all the time planted in your face. And you feel like, and what I felt there was, well, there's so much happening and people are trying to deal with, with that here, but I need to be hands-on. I need to be doing something for this, not contributing to the development of directives or, or regulations, whatever, that several years later might have some, some influence. I think we need to, I want to be on, on the terrain, not just planning on the very high uh, level. Uh, and that's what made me leave the, the the parliament. And I think I had the 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 inner will to do something about it since the beginning. And what really drives me is the redistribution of power in its two meanings. So power, as in money, is power, and power, as in energy and electricity. And this is what has always been a common a common line. In my in my projects and in everything that I did, I sold the solar power company, the renewable energy cooperative, and now GoParity as also the democrat democratization of impact finance, so that everyone can have access to profitable investment opportunities that also make um, that also make an interest, like Rita said, which is uh, of course possible. And I'm not sure what story you were talking about, Matteo. Is is it the story about how GoParity started? Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll just tell the, the short, the short version. So after having lived a few years abroad, um, I came back to Portugal uh, to work for this energy utility. I was working in a large-scale hydroelectric plan, um, which felt like okay, more renewables in Portugal. That's good. I moved back to to Portugal, and I had to open a bank account. And when I lived in in Spain and in and in Belgium. I used to have uh, an account with an ethical bank. 
And then moving back to Portugal, it was mid 2009. So starting peak crisis, financial crisis. And I tried to look for an ethical bank. And there, of course, there was no ethical bank in Portugal. Actually, there still isn't. Um, and so I, I had to end up opening uh, an account with with a bank account with with another bank in Portugal. But the this will to choose where my money is and, where, and what what my money does stayed inside. So I had the idea to start a small solar power plant. And I, my my stepmother has a small hotel in Tavira, which is the sunniest town in Portugal. And I talked to her and I said, "Would you rent the roof of your of your rural hotel so that me and a bunch of friends can invest in solar power? We install the panels in your roof. We sell electricity to the grid, and a percentage of whatever money we make, we will give it to you as if it was the monthly rent." And she said, and she said, yes. So there's a good stepmother in this, in this story. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, um, and yeah, and then me and, and the friends I talked about this project too, we decided to invest and we suddenly realized we didn't have money enough for, for all the, for all, you know, for the, the total capacity that we could install there. So we started talking to family and friends asking if we start a company, would you lend money to this company and it will pay you the fixed interest? on that loan and the business for us was of course total total uh, um turnover for the equity part and then we'd keep the, the the spread between the cost of the loan and whatever money we 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 made and it was quite it was quite easy to to get that money and that's when i started to think maybe there's a business model around this maybe this can become a company if it has scale and then started researching into the world of renewable energy cooperatives, crowd lending platforms. And at that moment, it was 2011, there was no legal framework for crowd lending in Portugal back then. So I started Copernico, which is a renewable energy cooperative, started the solar power company. And only in 2017, when the framework for crowd lending came out in Portugal, I started GoParity with new founders because my co-founders for the solar power company did, didn't want to leave that company so i sold my share found new co-founders and started google Go in 2017 and started operating in 2018. these are actually three beautiful uh, beautiful stories of, uh, of motivation with uh, you know three different angles as we as we talked about uh, i want to just go uh, on the short uh, super short break right now and we come back with uh, a, you know, probably the biggest uh, dichotomy in the impact space, which is uh, the sustainability versus uh, impact uh, debate. Okay, so stay with us. We're going to come to come back after a short break, uh, and that's a wrap. At timepledge.org, we are building the largest free coaching and advisory platform for entrepreneurs by providing mentorship opportunities based on pledge time. Our network of seasoned industry experts acting as coaches is working for free, pledging their valued time to the next generation of entrepreneurs who will change everything. Our portfolio of sessions goes over every skill an entrepreneur needs to successfully launch his or her startup, from how to pitch and behave with investors to how to best market your idea online or even how to best manage your team. We have the perfect sessions with the perfect mentors. Want to learn how to become the best entrepreneur you can be or mentor the next generation of entrepreneurs in Africa and Asia? Please visit timepledge.org and let's get you started. Hey guys, uh, welcome back to Breaking Banks Europe, episode 161 on impact. Uh, we are here with uh, Rita, Katia, and uh, Nuno. You, you could, you could um, sort of appreciate the, you know, the beauty of uh, uh, the three stories that they shared. And let's now dive in a little bit into what I believe is. Uh, you know the 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 biggest uh, challenge you know in the in the impact space which is uh, how do you ensure a proper and i stress the word proper sustainability model 
or a commercial model or a revenue model and and still like uh, uh, um, focus on the impact you do uh, let me give you an example one of the investment funds i i work for is a media network uh, now they're called flourish ventures and uh, i want to like a shout out to them because piero media founded ebay uh, like 30 years ago he decided to when ebay floated to like devote all his uh, fortune uh, which was like a 10 billion dollars back at the time uh, into changing the world so I want to almost to say that he invented the notion of patient capital, right? That is now sort of transport in, the, in this forest ventures. They are the largest investor in Africa. So they are an impact investor, but uh, their, they, their model is really what they call the double dip, right? So they, they ensure uh, the sustainability of the model, and yet uh, thinking that they can sustain the capital by, by doing good. How, you know, what's your vision on the right balance between sustainability and, and impact? And I want like Rita to start with because you are the investor here, right? So you must have a very strong opinion on what patient capital means. Yes, we do. Um, so patient capital is, um, is a really important concept um, because for certain I mean, social environmental problems are so complex uh, that a lot of the solutions that are required to be implemented will really need a lot of time um, and patient capital has, you know, brings this flexibility uh, time-wise um, for, for results to appear. But patient capital in this sense, and I think we can just put it in this way, can be a way of doing impact investing and a way of approaching the market um, because in, in our case, we also do uh, impact investing with a VC fund and that's not so patient in that sense. It has exactly the same terms as a traditional VC fund in what concerns duration, for example, IRR, so financial uh, returns expectations. And, uh, and there, the premise is that there is also a type of there there are also types of uh, solutions that may scale quickly and that's why it may be adequate to apply a model like vc to tackle also social and environmental uh, challenges uh, so usually the companies that are invested through impact uh, like vc funds tend to have a tech component so that they can be you know uh, they can scale very quickly um, and the same can be for other models of investment that have other different requirements, um, taking into account the ability to pay of their, uh, you know, customers, different business models that can be uh, arranged. So other, other types of uh, funding models that take into consideration um, uh, the ability to pay of their customers. Uh, that may not be, uh, you know, strong enough to allow for high returns. But uh, from an investment point of view, I think it's important to know where you stand, what you aim to do in terms of where you want to apply the capital, what is your expectation from a financial return uh, point of view, what is uh, the, the, the time that you uh, require your money and as part of your portfolio, you can have different approaches. Venture philanthropy, for example, which is uh, an instrument of, of investment that doesn't expect the financial return um, in itself, is also a, an investment uh, a tool, right? That is very important for models that don't necessarily have a financial sustainable financially sustainable business model, but have a really, really strong impact return. So it's difficult to really define what an impact uh, uh, investor is because there is a big spectrum and there's a, uh, we need to play with the different variables of uh, uh, financial return and impact return and, and also to the, the, the time um, of the investment as well. But, Rita, sorry, so, uh, so quickly, quickly here, just to you know, to, to let our our auditors know, uh, 
um, what's what's the thesis uh, and uh, you know it's I, I believe it's impact across stack or do you have uh, like a, the verticals you're focusing on and uh, you know what what is the, what is the what are the investment criteria for you like very very quickly like in tweets. Um, so I'll just focus on our fund, on our VC fund, uh, instead of focusing on on the other um, tools. On our funds, we are on our fund, we are generalists. So in terms of topics, we invest in big topics, right? Uh, health and well-being, future of work and education, um, sustainability on production and consumption. But all of this is quite general. We look for companies. Usually, we invest in really early stage companies. Uh, those that are really trying to have an innovative approach and are uh, on their go-to-market uh, phase. Uh, we look for companies that have what we call the lockstep model. So their main market, what they're trying to solve is a social problem, uh, and their business model is completely aligned with it. So the more they sell, the more impact they are creating. And for those, uh, for the management of these investments, we define, you know, a uh, a metric, uh, one, two impact metrics that are as important to us as investors is the financial uh, return of our portfolio. So we as fund managers have the incentives aligned to make sure that our portfolio has uh, met the expectations of impact and has created impact in the broader scheme of things. We do not necessarily measure like all the different uh, components as part of the of the performance of the fund, like governance, like a B Corp, for example, would do. But it's we are a B Corp, so we just assume that you know companies have this in place. We challenge them as part of being part of the the boards of these companies. But in terms of metrics, we define one, two that are really aligned with what they are trying to to tackle, so that it's also feasible at the end of the day. Thank you. Uh, Nuno, uh, you and I had in private this conversation uh, uh, because I actually asked you this uh, about, about this topic on, you know, uh, how do you as, a, as an impact, uh, uh, as an impact focus company sort of uh, uh, see like the, the, the profitability, you know, the interest that you give, uh, because probably I want to say if you, if you go and invest in a, in a crowd, uh, uh, lending for real estate, you might have like higher interest, right, or whatever. And but I'm pretty sure that you keep, uh, uh, you know, your your balance in a way that uh, you can ensure sustainability and profitability of your model. So, what's your view on this? Hmm. Yeah, of course, it's a it's a it's a hard to strike um, balance, you know, especially you know, since we're talking patience and 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 long term. One thing that we always say is. And it's maybe our biggest frustration is that sustainability requires long term, and um, society seems to be evolving the exactly in the opposite direction, right? So we we want everything to be immediate. We want to make a lot of money on a very short uh, time span, um, and this creates, of course, several difficulties when when it comes to um, defining the funding plans or the payment, the loan plans that companies work with when they are with GoParity. Because ideally, like Rita kind of uh, touched, if you're looking for funding for solar, for solar panels, our goal is that your monthly installment to pay back the loan to people that, that have lent money to your company is smaller than the profit or savings that you are making with that panel. So, so, so this is this would be the the ideal model, right? If if you can have if you can get a loan for solar panels for six, seven, eight, or nine or ten years, then it is assured that you will save more or earn more than what it will cost you to pay back your, your loan. But when reality strikes in, is that when we place a loan that is a ten-year loan on our platform. It is much harder to fund than if it were the same loan, but with a with a five year term. Um, now, as we grow, I think this is actually um, becoming better. Just the past month in January, we funded two campaigns with ten year loans, um, and the reason I, I believe is also because of, and this relates to your question, also because of the shift 
of mindset in people and in investors. For example, these two projects that we funded, I'm sure that probably two years ago, we wouldn't have been able to fund them, but they are projects that are um, energy communities. So shared electricity produced with solar panels on the rooftops of charities. So they basically have everything, right? Charities will have cheaper electricity. People around the charities, local community, will have cheaper electricity. And you as, as an investor know that you are making money. Maybe it's, of course, not as much money as you, as you could be making by investing in, 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 in real estate. Or I'm not going to say crypto anymore because now you don't know. <laughs> but at least in, 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 real, in, in real estate. But so you, I think people are already also starting to accept that it's okay not to make as much money as possible and as fast as possible but to know that you're actually generating a higher value, something that goes well beyond economic uh, value. I like to think that this is a bit of proof of that. Matteo, I just want to go back to this, this question. Uh, I think that there's sometimes a misconstruct around we need to make a choice between profitability and sustainability or impact. And I think that that's, that's a paradigm that is a, that is a mindset that's, that is not necessarily valid. And there are many, many situations where the higher the impact, the higher the profitability. And I think it's important to 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 uh, to stress that that complemented idea. And I come that I come to this conversation from a from a corporation point angle, if you want, from a consulting angle, not from an investor angle. I'm not necessarily saying, you know, I have a bucket of money and I'm going to to find the place to provide more impact. That's not my question. My question is, if you operate in the, in the heart of an, a corporation. What can you do within your uh, operating model, business model within the organization to create some sort of impact? And and I go back to kind of the guru of this discussion, uh, you know, Michael Porter being this manager, uh, the, the guru of management for many years in strategy. And, and he, he came up with this concept of creating shared value, which is a, the notion and the idea that the responsibility uh, of an organization is not to maximize share all the value, but create stakeholder value. And this idea of society uh, and organization playing in, in the same fields. So when we get to, um, when we have organizations that manage to explore business models that create profitability while they, they solve a social problem, in the words of Michael Porter, you, you almost create an endless source of revenue. Um, and and th th that's kind of very much at the heart of mission of an, or an organization. We are always looking who is my market, what is the problem that we are going to solve. So if we find solutions that, that bring, bring better benefit to the world and, and society and environment, then that is the biggest source of revenue. And there are endless evidence that organizations that play in that field, that explore their own business models, in the long term, they have higher rates of return in the stock market. So that's kind of an evidence that is that is emerging uh, through kind of, uh, um, you know, at Harvard Business School and so on, where, where we had where we have already a number of studies. So I don't think it's a dichotomy between, uh, you know, do I need to sacrifice profitability to create sustainability or impact? Actually, the 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 model should be how how do we bring, uh, you know, impact and through that model we create sustainability. Katia, I'll, I'll I'll ask you to keep for a second your your consultant uh, your consultant hat because the last question I wanted to ask to the three of you, and you know, please like be brief because. You know, this discussion, as as usually, could take much longer than the time we have. Uh, it's how do you measure impact? And the reason why I'm asking is because, uh, like, uh, I the, the 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 fund I was venture partner for until like a year ago, Bamboo Capital Partners, impact investors for early stage in Africa. We 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 basically came up with our own way to like uh, uh, to to show. Uh, and, and to demonstrate which impact uh, uh, the startups that we were investing in were, were giving. But how much, uh, you know, how standardized, you know, is, is impact, impact measurement? Because it is a super important way, you know, for example, for in Nunoc, for GoParity to decide, uh, you know, whether or not I want to invest uh, in company A versus company B is super important for Rita, you know, because for the investor that invests in their fund, 
they want to actually show that if they're putting money in an impact initiative, uh, you know, is it, you know, is the way the impact is measured on, uh, I don't know, job creation, value creation, GDP growth, and just invented, uh, inventing, sorry, a few, a few parameters. So, uh, Katia, keep, keep your consultant hats on. How do you measure that? Well, I mean, Matteo, I would like to give you a, you know, a formula that, uh, well, there are, there are, you know, there are 100 formulas to measure impact. That's a reality, right? So there are, and that's kind of the problem somehow. We have so many conventions to measure impact that becomes almost like overwhelming, at least from where, where do I sit? Um, I think that the, the you know in the last five years or so I see far more formulas emerging that that they they bring a lot of credibility to the context. Um, I mean, on the other hand, goes back to uh, sometimes goes back to the to my days where I, w- I was a learning and development consultant where everybody was very keen to measure the impact of learning, right? So it's, it's kind of this uh, you know fundamental important thing. The reality is that. In some contexts, makes sense to spend time and money and efforts, in, and I would say to the, the scenarios that you are describing around, uh, you know, decision making process and so on. In some contexts, you know, I, I would probably let it go because, um, you know, it, to have a remit of um, of of assessments of your impact is important, but but to stress and and uh, around those metrics, I think that sometimes becomes quite unproductive because it's, it's almost impossible. And you are right. So when you talk about uh, you know sc- scope one, two, and three missions, for instance, it, it becomes almost like overwhelming to think about you know all the detailed things that if you produce a washing machine, what's going to you know the, the kind of going to be the the the, the missions, but to have somehow. Uh, you know your organization in focus focusing on uh, you know having a broad reflection around the impact that they provide positive and negative I think is important uh, and then progress really um, you know because I, I think that you know the world needs urgent solutions if you stress a lot about measure in in how to what extent we are being good Samaritans or not I think that that's not not necessarily kind of what we are trying to achieve. So at Maze, because we work with mainly with the early stage companies, we are in the business of seeding more than measuring, right? So that's why the concept that we tend to use the most is the management of impact. Also because impact should be managed and not just measured. It is a work in progress. Sometimes metrics that we set up in the beginning are not the ones that are the most appropriate along the the journey of a company. So this idea of, and just like Ati was saying, like looking at it, being critical about the positive and negative impact that you are creating intendedly or unintendedly is really, really important. And in order to do that, we tend to use one methodology, which is, it's not even a methodology, it's just a framework, to be honest, that is inspired by many methodologies is, the IMP framework, the impact management projects uh, framework. And basically what we do with it is we apply this framework to all the projects, be it startups, other kinds of projects, as I said, along the spectrum. And we apply this methodology to help us tell the narrative on why for us, this is an impact project and to explain what is the impact that is being created and why we've decided uh, to do so. Once again, taking as, a, as a, a consideration that impact is very subjective, there's not a consensus on it, so it's our way and our rationale. And this framework basically uh, is structured in five yeah. dimensions that help us explain that and help us manage it along the, the way, which is the what, so what are the outcomes that we are trying to reach with this solution? What is you know, the the actual impacts, the actual positive change and some of the negative ones that is happening and who is being affected by it, both socially, so vulnerable groups, the beneficiaries and uh, environmentally, the, the planet. How much of a change are we creating with the solution, with this initiative, um, you know, depth at depth, uh, at scale, um, how lasting is it? Um, then we look at the contribution of the solution. 
So if nothing was happening, what would happen, right? To understand what are we actually adding um, to to the to the market, and finally a component that I find really interesting, which is the risk mapping. What are the impact risks that we are faced in the implementation of this? Uh, we are facing in the implementation of this solution, and uh, by by looking at the risks is also something that you know, will uh, make us feel aware of all the different things that should be managing and what concerns the impact more than, again, measuring a specific milestone, which we do, but we just do more than that. Uh, so I would say that this is a framework that can be applied in any context, even in a corporate context, like Katia's startup, investor, uh, you know, even the public sector with uh, the solutions that they have implemented. So. This this is this is how we 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 feel comfortable today navigating in this level of uncertainty and some confusion that sometimes exists, and um, which is this impact uh, measurement uh, conversations. No, no. Um, yeah, so we we of course this is key for us because our our whole business model depends on this, and our business is long term existence also depends on user trust and user confidence, right? So if we did do the mistake of funding a project that for some reason has more, creates more harm than the good it generates, we would have a huge backlash for sure. Actually, we have done projects that we did not think uh, would create such a backlash. And then we, are always quite surprised by, by how keen people are on, in the end, helping us in, in improve and, and be more more demanding ourselves. So, for example, I can tell you the story. We funded uh, solar panels in, in, so we have no-go areas, right, to start with. So if, you, if, you're, if you're an animal farm and you don't have certificates of animal well-being, uh, um, yeah, animals being... Um, spending the the number of hours in the in open air, etc. We won't we won't fund you, even if the money is only being used for solar panels. Because in the end, our first criteria is where is the money being used? Solar panels, okay. Where are they going to be placed on a hand farm? Okay, is it an open air hand farm? Do they have animal well being cer uh, certificates? Whatever they do, okay, then we we can fund it. They don't. We can't. This has happened, and we have rejected the project. We did one solar, solar panels in Brazil, um, rooftop of a shopping center. In, in principle, there shouldn't be anything too wrong. We got maybe four or five people uh, complaining, how can you fund solar panels in a shopping center if you know that it's a consumerism temple below, below those panels? So this so this is the this is the level of of um, attention or devotion people uh, pay to their to to knowing that their money is being used for good. Um, apart from all, of course, the financial due diligence, we do the impact due diligence. That's what, that's what we call it. Uh, so it first goes through this filter, and then sustainable development goals. Is it actively contributing to any of the sustainable development goals? If it is, then how do we quantify impact? And that's where we use a mix. Of course, we had to, in the end, we had to generate our own framework because not there isn't, as Katya mentioned, there isn't a, a one size fits all, and there's a, there's a lot of frameworks all over. Um, so the most important one that we used, I think, it's the IRIS uh, by the Global Impact Investment Network. But we did a lot that is just based on research and and. Quite a lot is based on just pure scientific uh, research papers or something. So, for example, when one thing that we try to do is to convert metrics, uh, so measures into metrics that people can actually understand. So, if we, when we say that the project will avoid the emission of 22 kilograms of CO2 per year, nobody knows exactly what that means and what impact that has. When we convert it, to that's the equivalent to planting one oak tree 
for that year, or that's how much uh, a tree, an oak tree will absorb in one year, then it becomes something that is more tangible and, and understandable. And to be able to do this, we also say, we also know that we say this, because this is proven by this, this is estimated by this study, and it is officially used by the European Environmental Agency. So this is the sort of, of way that, that, that we work. And then there are projects that are what we call in the gray area. For example, production line in a shoe factory, and I want to buy a new machine, one, one that is more efficient. So we'll, it will use less electricity, probably generate less uh, leather waste or whatever textile waste it, it generates. But is it a good thing? I mean, is it more impactful? Is it better to buy a new one than to keep using the old one until, uh, until it just dies out? And what we do when, when we come to, to that point is that we have an impact officer and, and inside Globarity. Um, and she's the one, so it's, so it's not an executive committee decision, it's an impact officer decision. So it goes back, her name is Yara, and it goes back to Yara, and Yara is the person that does the analysis. And if it does feel the criteria that it seems to generate more positive outcome than the harm it does to throw away the other machine, maybe because the other one is obsolete or, or, or something like that, or can't be repaired or whatever, then we can fund that project. Otherwise, we can't. There is a whole like a new chapter that we don't have the time to talk about now, but you could even think of, uh, you know, if, uh, if, uh, if a shoe factory needs a machine and that machine uh, will like replace the work of, uh, you know, 50 people mm. because it will automatize, uh, it's, it's not really a gray area. It's actually a, a, a very, you know, uh, uh, super interesting and delicate debate to uh, debate to have, guys. Thank you very much for uh, for uh, for this episode. I'm I'm, I'm very grateful. Uh, I I enjoyed it a lot. Let's uh, wrap up with like one line. How guys can find you? So typically, Rita, you could give uh, like the 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 website of your fund. Uh, Katya, the website of the. Um, of the event and conference that shows the Social Good Summit, which uh, I, I, I'll let you say it because uh, I'm not sure yeah. I remember it uh, right. And uh, Uno the GoParity website. Rita, go. So maze-impact.com or you can reach me on LinkedIn, the easiest as well. Great, Katia. I just found me in Bronte Beach having a serene in the morning. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Katia, it's at Social Good Summit AU um, or by LinkedIn, Katia TV. Um, it's where you find me. Thank you. No, no. Yeah, you can just go to goparity.com or also get in touch via LinkedIn. Great. Guys. Thanks a lot. That was a great episode. Thank you very much, Rita, Katia, and Nuno. And that is a wrap. Thanks for listening to Breaking Banks Europe, a Provoke Media podcast in cooperation with Fintech Stage. Don't forget to tweet us out, shout out, or post to the team at Breaking Banks EU on Twitter. If there's something or someone you'd like to hear on our cast, let us know. See you next week on Breaking Banks Europe.